All right, we're here with Stephen from Arcos Brewery in Palmer, Alaska. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself and his brewery. Hi, I'm Stephen, uh, the owner and brewmaster at Arcos Brewery here in Palmer, Alaska. We started brewing in 2011. We were the first brewery in Palmer, actually the first brewery in the Matsu Valley here in Alaska, which is north of Anchorage. And so we just celebrated eight years of brewing. We're primarily a wholesale production brewery, meaning we brew for packaging in kegs and bottles for distribution, wholesale throughout the state of Alaska, bars, liquor stores, restaurants, wherever you can find beer. We do have a tap room that you can come to the brewery with limited hours to fill growlers or try beer or try small samples of beer or even get kegs to go. And so we just expanded last year. We added four more 20 barrel tanks. We have a 10 barrel brew house. So what that means is we can brew 10 barrels of beer at a time, which is about 300 gallons. And so with those four 20 barrels that we added, we now have 11 20 barrel tanks and four 10 barrel tanks that feed our bottling line. That is a lot of beer. These tanks are huge. Actually, if you look, Mitchell, you'll see these valves up here on the wall. Okay. Um, those are in preparation for probably late next year to add four more fermenters here where we're standing oh. um, to e so then even add to our capacity. So we're going to see how this next year, particularly this next summer, okay. uh, goes. But if there's any indication, we will soon uh, be at capacity once again. And then by the fall, we'll, we'll install those tanks here. They'll look mirror images of these tanks you see here just on the other side. Uh, so we can keep our filler, our bottle filler, um, cranking out beer. Are you originally from here in Alaska or? I, well, yes, I've been in Alaska 30 years now. Okay. We moved to Alaska in 1981. My dad was in the Air Force and we got stationed here. He retired here and we've been here ever since. Primarily, I grew up in Anchorage, but we've been in Palmer about 15 years now. And what got you into brewing? I first got a job. I was looking for work in a brewery as a keg washer. So we, we found a job as a keg washer, and I was just looking for work. Okay. And I applied and was accepted, and I did that for a long time, washing kegs all day long. And then from that position, I gained more and more responsibility. Um, I worked my way into the cellar, which is where uh, finished beer is kept, conditioned, carbonated, kegged, and packaged. And then from there, I worked my way into brewing positions and then my wife and I started this brewery and now, now I still wash kegs. <laughs> the only difference is I own the keg washer, but next Monday, uh, right now we're, we're down a keg washer, so I'll have to put on the boots and, and wash some kegs to, to get all things, the fun. Keep things going. I understand that being a chef, I started in the dishwasher and first time we're down a dishwasher, that's the first thing you get to go do is hang up the pretty white coat and Put on the apron and go right back at it. Absolutely. Without, without clean dishes, without clean kegs, that there, there can be no beer or food for that matter. And how many different types of beer do you brew currently? We package, so in, in bottles for distribution, we do six different flavors, six different styles of beer year-round. But in any given year, we'll do 20 to 40 different styles of beer, um, for, for limited release or sometimes only at the brewery, you can come and get the beer. It never even reaches the distribution level. But many of our beers, 
uh, well, three of the six beers that we distribute started off as small batches and they were just so popular and so well received and they just went so quickly that we scaled them up to much larger volumes and now they're in year-round production. And what's your number one beer? Well, that depends. This time of, this type of year, our, our boxcar porter is really popular. Um, in kegs for distribution, we do our most popular beer in bottles right now is the High Ridge Double Red. That's the 22-ounce bottle, and that has to do with our Costco account. So we bottle an enormous amount of that beer because of our Costco account. Um, we have a weekly small batch, so every Thursday we release a new beer that we brew a very limited amount of, so only several hundred gallons, and that's only available here at the brewery on a Thursday starting at four. So it just depends. It depends okay. on the season, depends on if it's in a bottle or a keg, um, and so that can, that can vary. It's, um, all of it goes, that's what I can say, and I, okay. I think that's, that's pretty common in the craft beer world in general these days, but it just depends. Now, uh, a lot of other people we've been talking to, one thing we've noticed is there's a lot of other challenges being up here in remote areas such as Alaska compared to the lower 48s. Is that the same for the brewing world? Do you have different challenges being up here compared to the lower 48s? Absolutely, Mitchell. The, the brewing world has its challenges no matter where you are. In America and the world, one of the big challenges we face in Alaska is shipping. So freight, the freight costs are enormous. Uh, and I was just recently in the lower 48 talking to some brewers about their challenges. So one of the challenges, especially where I was in the desert southwest, is water. We don't have that issue in Alaska. We have bountiful, plentiful, excellent brewing water. Clean water. Clean water. Uh, whereas I was talking to them about their, their uh, freight or their shipping costs. They, there's not even a blip on their radar as far as that, that cost compared to how it is for us. So it's just a trade-off. depends on where you are, what challenges you have to meet and face. The, the thing I've noticed is that it doesn't matter where you are in America or where you are in the world, I've always been surprised at the lengths people will go to just to brew beer. And how, how's that process kind of a quick, for people that don't know much about brewing beer, can you give us kind of the Cliff Notes version of what it goes into brewing a beer? A lot of labor and a lot of love. Uh, brewing is a business, I can tell you that. And so we have to be very focused on our costs. I do, in January, offer a uh, seven-part lecture series. So it's an hour every Saturday, which I call Suds Science. And that just gives a brief overview of the brewing process. Okay. It would be hard to describe in a few words. It's a very uh, complex process. But simply put, raw materials, grain, which is barley, hops, Water and yeast are the four basic ingredients that make beer as we know it. And those are used in a process to render raw material into what we know and love as beer. Excellent. Yeah, that's a... I know myself, I'm not too familiar with it. So it, that's a very interesting series. We will try to get some more information on that for the show notes. Sure. It's, and it's, let people know about that. It's a, uh, uh, we do, we, we, we uh, offer it up, up for sale or reserve uh, in December. People buy it for themselves or for people for the holidays as gifts. And then in, starting in January for seven Saturdays, like I say, one hour each Saturday, those people come and, uh, 
and I give a, basically a primer on what it is to brew beer and where, come, where the ingredients come from and how they're rendered into beer. Now, with the people coming in, is that do you get a lot of tourists coming through up this far north? Because I know a lot of them go to the cruise ship areas and Anchorage. Is it a lot of tourists coming in? Is it more your locals? Both. We Alaska has no tourism really in the in the winter, so tourism time in Alaska is May through maybe September, uh, and so during that period of time, we get an enormous amount of uh, visitors to the state of Alaska that come through the, the brewery, as do all the breweries in the state. There are actually quite a few breweries in the state that don't even cater to the local market because it's really non-existent. So they're just open in the summer. We're open year-round because we're a wholesaler. Uh, but we have a local, a local um, base, a local fan base that's been coming here ever since. When we first opened, we didn't even distribute outside the brewery. You could only come to our brewery for the first two years and get the beer. And we opened up our doors with little or no fanfare. And the locals just found us out, and they came, and they got us going. And those people still come here regularly and get their growlers filled, have a beer, and spread the word about Arcos. And as a result of that, in the beginning, we were able to grow, reach a level level of production where we could distribute statewide. We were picked up, we established a relationship with the distributor, and now not only do we serve locals in the summer, tourists in the summer, but we uh, reach places in Alaska that people drink Arcos beer who have never even been to the brewery. I have it actually. I've seen it up in Fairbanks. Sure. When I've worked up there with different places, and that was one of the ways I found you guys. Absolutely. And just word of mouth. So obviously community is a very big thing here. With any brewery. You have to um, take care of your community because without, without people that know beer and love beer and love craft beer and, and spread your, your brewery, the name of you and your brewery by word of mouth, without those people, brewers like me would have nothing to do. We, we, would, we wouldn't ha- be able to follow our passions and brew beer. So it's really about the people that love beer uh, that come to the brewery that, like yourself, drink our beer in Fairbanks or Juneau or Anchorage, that give me purpose. Now, with with that being said, for people that are new to craft beer, because there's still a lot of people that are new to craft beer, what's kind of your advice on easing them into it? Because I know there's some some brands that are very strong and some that are a little lighter. What is, for somebody that wants to get into drinking craft beer, kind of what's your advice on that? Go to a brewery. Uh, and you can get what's known as a flight. Here we call it a basket of beer, which is six different small tasters, and just try them. And what I recommend, too, is remember what you like, engage in a discussion with the person that either brewed the beer, I'm always here, or um, you should have a knowledgeable person in a brewery manning the tap room that should be able to answer your questions and give you some feedback about what the beer is that you like. Remember that style of beer, and take it out, take it out uh, into the wider beer world with you and try various styles of, of beers like that. There's a whole world of beer. We have 16 beers on tap. If you uh, can't find one beer there that you even moderately like, I'd be surprised. We have everything from a light blonde ale, 4%, 4.5%, mild body, light in color, low hoppiness, very well balanced, to this type of time of year, we release barley wines. So we have beer that's 12-15% alcohol by volume that's been aging in bourbon barrels for years that we tap into and release. 
very completely different from a blonde ale. And in between, there's everything else. And now, we're, we're on that scale. I know a lot of people are really into the IPAs here lately. It's been one of the big pushes in the beer world. And where's the IPAs fall in that? An IPA would be a, a beer that has a very pronounced, balanced, pleasing bitterness to it. And that blends well with residual sweetness, or as we say in the brewing world, maltiness. So you have the maltiness or the sweetness balancing with the pronounced bitterness uh, that's very forward that produces what's known as an IPA or India Pale Ale, a style that has a lot of hops in it. And the hops are what present the bitterness to your palate. Now, one question we have to ask is, being the beer guy, what is your personal favorite? Uh, right now, since the season's changing, I tend to drink more dark beers. And so right now, on tap, only in the brewery, actually, we have a nitro stout. So it's, it's different from most beers, which are carbonated, which is what we know as the fizz. And that's the gas that's put into the beer. In this particular beer, it's been nitrogenated. So it has nitrogen gas in it, which is a very fine creamy bubble that comes off as a smooth velvety texture in your on your palate and so infuse that into a dark beer and we can serve it here through a special tap known as a sparkler tap the nitro stout since i tend to go more for darker beers in the fall nitrogenated nitro stout is my, my personal favorite right now we put that on every fall and I, that's what i'm drinking the most of that's what i have on tap at home too and do you guys do any of the um, like cider style with different fruits, or is it just strictly beers? So a cider would not be a beer. A cider would be uh, apple juice that's fermented. Okay. Right. We do an apple beer. So in in the in the beer that we brew, which is just a blonde ale, we infuse apple puree, which is an apple beer, not a cider. And so we do have apple beers. We actually have a series of beers where we do different fruits. Right now we have the bear, blueberry and the strawberry. Strawberry, amber, blueberry, blonde. And uh, we're going to be coming up onto the apple, uh, apple blonde that we'll be doing soon. Um, so we, we do do apple beers, that is. But we, we, do not, uh, we don't make cider. A brewery is not equipped okay. to make a cidery. Just like a cidery doesn't make beer. That makes sense. I mean, honestly, I didn't know there was sure. too much of a difference. Well, we get that question a lot. People say, do you have ciders? And since as a brewer, we don't make ciders. To, to please those people, we make apple beer. And so you may, you may enjoy that as well. Uh, very different from a cider, of course, which is uh, all it is. Beer is essentially made from grain, so barley. Okay. So in a way, it's from barley juice, I suppose you could say. Whereas cider is apple juice. And is that a common misconception that people have when they coming in that they're used to going to the store, being able to just pick out any any beer and not realizing kind of the different processes that go into that? Sure. Well, you asked me earlier if someone's not uh, really in tune with craft beer, but they want to be. Someone hasn't been exposed to brewer, small breweries or microbreweries beer, but they want to be. I, I think what you'll find is any a microbrewery that really cares is going to have somebody there that can talk about all these things. So if you come in and you don't know that, that's fine. Just ask the question. And uh, more than likely, we, we're here. We're able to answer your questions 
I think basically, we don't know. I can't tell you how to make cider because I don't know how. I'm a brewer. <laughs> but I can tell you all about making beer, but I, I can't explain that distinction to you, and, and we're happy to do that. Uh, so, yeah, we have quite a few people that come in that, um, that uh, basically they, they don't know, and they have questions, and they just want to know, and, and that's where they're here to find out, and that's where we're here to help. To give you an example, when we first opened here in Palmer in 2011, we explained on a daily basis for the first almost two years to new people that came into the brewery what a growler was. They'd never been exposed to it. A growler is a half-gallon glass jug. Of course, everyone knows now, and everyone has their growlers, and they're very happy to bring them back and get them refilled. But like I say, we were very open and, and willing to explain that over and over again, exactly what, what, what that was, that you could buy this glass jug, and then the first time you buy it, but then you keep it, don't throw it away, and just keep coming in back and getting it refilled just for the cost of a refill. Uh, and so we had quite, quite a bit of that. People just wanted to learn about it, and they were asking us, what is a growler? And so we just patiently explained it to them over and over and over again. And so any, any brewery that cares will be open and knowledgeable and be willing to share that information. I think that goes back to a big theme of Alaska is that community, sense of community here. Absolutely. With everybody willing to help everyone else. Now, what direction do you see the craft brew, brew world going in in the next few years? I think there's be more. There's so many styles of beer that are um, laid out. In actually, if, if you're very curious, there's the BJCP, what's known as the Beer Judge Certification Program Style Guidelines (BJCP) styles, and there are hundreds of styles of beer that are brewed in some places very, very rarely. And people just are going to discover those. So I think there'll be styles of beer that will be rediscovered. What we're doing here in the craft beer world is not creating new styles. The IPA is not a new style. It's just been rediscovered. And I think that's going to happen. A lot of these styles of beer that have been historically brewed in places are going to be rediscovered. And people are just going to go to those and seek those out. And brewers are going to bring those more to the forefront. As well as there are actually periodically new styles of beer being created by inventive brewers and so i think it'll just be a further evolution of different styles of beer um, that people will discover and celebrate i know i i can say for myself in the last three to five years i've heard of more types of beer than i ever imagined and it's so amazing that here in a place like alaska even everybody says we're so far behind everyone else that we can get these new styles and have companies like yours supplying and educating Sure. The local communities and letting everybody know kind of what we're doing here. There's a whole world of beer out there. Now, one of the big things I know a lot of people have, get curious about is, can they do this at home? Is it possible for somebody to learn about brewing at home? Obviously not on a commercial scale, but for somebody that wants to experiment with it, is it something they can do or is it something they really need to seek some training on? Absolutely, you can do it at home. I would recommend going to your local homebrew shop. Those people, just like craft breweries, microbreweries, are very knowledgeable, willing to share their knowledge, uh, willing to talk about beer, and help you along the way. And so absolutely, I, I, I feel that um, everybody should brew beer at home at least once. Now, having said that, it's not as simple as, simple as just putting... Of toasting bread, there's there's a bit to it, right? 
Yep. I, I, it's because you're you're crafting something, and there's a, there are uh, it's an art and a science that needs to be blended acceptably. Of course, anybody can make something that's going to contain alcohol. But will it be palatable? Will it be pleasing? Will it be something you want to reach for again or be, or brew again? And there are simple, clean and sanitary steps that you need to follow uh, to achieve that. So it, it's not as, as if I'm just going to do this tomorrow. It takes some, some uh, attention. It takes some exploration. It takes some questioning. It takes some seeking to be able to brew. But uh, absolutely, very much so, you, you, can, you can do it at home. And I think your local homebrew shop would be probably the best place to start. Is that kind of how you, you got started? I mean, was that like something you experimented with first before going to be a keg washer? Or was it kind of... I, I did. Um, I did brew a few times at home before I started working in a brewery. Um, back, actually, what I did was I had checked out a book from the library. And I went off of that. Um, but then after I... Uh, started working a brewery. That's when I got more serious about brewing beer at home. It actually occurred to me um, that I was spending money on beer and was drinking great beer and drinking quite a wide variety of different excellent beers. And then one day it just occurred to me, wait a minute, I know how to brew beer. I can just, <laughs> I can just do it at home in addition to buying good beer. And that gave me inspiration to, to have different recipes that I wanted to brew. Um, but basically I, I built a small brewery at home in my garage and now we're standing in quite a large warehouse. Correct. So I would say that that was a hobby that paid off very well. <laughs> yes, it, it, it may just take over your life. <laughs> Excellent. Now, for people up here in Alaska that are interested in getting into brewing, what would you say is the best advice for somebody that might just be starting out wanting to get into the actual world of brewing? In Alaska? Yeah. I would say uh, there's Arctic Brewing Supply in Anchorage, which is an excellent uh, brewing supply store. Go there, take a look around and talk to the people there and just learn a few things. And then also in Anchorage is a, a, a homebrew club. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Mitchell. Uh, a little bit. The, I've seen, the seen great, some of their stuff. Sure. The Great Northern Brewers Club. And it's, uh, it's, it's actually family friendly. They offer a family membership so you can... It's not just uh, for, for guys that go there to brew beer, wives and couples and families, and women bring their husbands, let's put it that way. It's, it's, a, okay. it's a whole, whole, whole organization uh, that is devoted to that, and you find some very knowledgeable people there, as well as a community that you can learn from. And so I would say those two things, as well as just visit breweries, take the tour. We offer a tour at the brewery. All, many breweries offer tours. We have our, like I say, we have our Sud Science Lecture Series. That would be something great that you could attend, pick up even more information, read. Now, if people wanted to get a hold of you to schedule a tour of the brewery or come in for the tasting room, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, Arcosbrewery.com, and there's a link there that says Tours. You just click that and sign up. All right, and do you guys have any special events or anything coming up that you'd like to let us know about? Every Thursday, we release a new beer only at the brewery, small batch. So this Thursday, it's the uh, chocolate coconut stout Ooh. for Halloween. So that's that's a, that's a good one. You can get on, and we like I say every Thursday, you can find out what the beer weekly beer is by joining our mailing list. Um, 
And we'll we'll put links for all sure. that too in the Those are in the ones. show notes. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been our interview here with Stephen. I'll go ahead and let him wrap up. Thanks for having me, Mitchell. I'm, I'm glad I, you're here at Arcos for the first podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it. I um, hope to see you some more. Yes, sir. Um, that's a fact. Maybe you can come back when we when we add our four new fermenters and we can uh, take a look at those and talk about how it's going. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.